Hey everyone, and welcome to the Athlete Ready Global Podcast. I am your host, Jared Saavedra. Today we have episode nine with my man, Coach Mike Perry, out in Massachusetts. Coach Mike definitely takes you through his journey of entrepreneurship, going from running a gym in his own basement to what he has today. He's gonna drop a lot of nuggets, especially for you young uh, entrepreneurs, you young strength coaches and personal trainers. He just has so much value to this episode. It's gonna be awesome. If you have not subscribed yet to our podcast, make sure that you do so that you are notified when new podcast episodes are available. I think you're gonna enjoy this podcast. I'm excited for this journey. Episode nine, coming to you now. Coach Mike Perry, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing, man? Fantastic. Thank you for having me on, Jared. How are you today, bud? I'm doing well. Uh, definitely had to clarify saying Coach Mike Perry. Um, a lot of people may get that confused with a, a fighter that I think you've probably got a few times yourself. Yeah, me and Platinum <laughs> Mike Perry, uh, you know, we, we get confused quite a bit. Um, there's been a few times where Platinum Mike Perry had said some things uh, via social media <laughs> that are are not something I would say. And there has been a few times where people would tag me and they're like, I can't believe you have that type of attitude or I can't can't believe you would say that. And I'm like, what are people talking about? I'm like, I don't I don't engage in Internet battles. So I'm like, what's going on? Then, of course, someone went to tag Platinum Mike Perry and they tagged Coach Mike Perry. And then I got brought uh, into it. But I guess. That's the price I pay for, uh, well, I can't really change my name, of course, but um, with with me working with UFC fighters and, and being somewhat involved with uh, guys in the UFC, I guess that's just part of it. Yeah, I'm sure they give you some some crap for that, too. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, but so, yep, different. For the career. listeners, for the listeners, man, I mean, tell them a little bit about your background, how you kind of got started in this. I, you know, I know quite a bit of your story, but I think you should definitely talk about that and discuss that because I think a lot of people are going to learn from this podcast episode. Absolutely. Well, I will give you the Cliff Notes uh, version of the last 16 years. How's that sound? So um, I was an athlete growing up, uh, played a lot of soccer, played various sports as well, but I really focused on soccer and later in high school and even had the opportunity to play in college. And um, after college, um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had studied sociology, but I, I really wasn't sure what my game plan was. I, I just had went to school and originally my goal was to be in police work or become a state trooper or something along the lines of that. But so once I got done with school, I was training at a facility uh, in Wellesley, Massachusetts called Train Boston Sports Center. And at that time, the owner of the facility was actually the strength coach for the revolution. So I was able to meet a bunch of players from the revs and just hang out with them. And I became friendly with them and we got to train together. And I really enjoyed just the experience, the facility, and um, I got friendly with the coaches and the owner as well. So at a certain point, I remember the uh, the owner saying to me, hey, Mike, do you have any interest in becoming a, uh, you know, a personal trainer or a strength coach? And I said, hey, listen, I said, yes. I mean, that would be awesome. I love, I love being in the gym. I'm a little bit of a gym rat. Um, I would love that, but I, I don't have a ton of experience. And he said, well, we can actually start you off with an internship and we can see how it goes. So I started off really not knowing a whole heck of a lot, and I, I did pretty much a one-year internship where I, I really didn't make any money, but I was that guy that was willing to to work hard, and I did whatever they asked. I remember hanging things on the wall and 
scrubbing, you know, scrubbing the bathrooms sometimes and cleaning up and organizing, answering phones, just doing everything I could to, to be helpful. And I was lucky enough to have a bunch of great people around me that, that guided me through that process. And I was at that facility for, for six years and I had some great mentors and I had some amazing opportunities where I got to work with, you know, guys in the MLS, the NFL, major league baseball, uh, even some Olympians. And it was, it was not your typical first job, right? And like not too many people are working right. with NFL guys right away. So I was very lucky in that sense. And like I said, I was there for about six or seven years and, um, I decided it was time for a change. And I, I took a job as a director of personal training at a performance facility and I did that for a couple of years. And, you know, at, at a certain point, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I really wanted to do something on my own. So that's when I decided to open Skill of Strength. And, uh, man, we've been doing, we've been at Skill of Strength for just about eight years now. And we started off, actually, we started off in my basement at my home. And my wife and I were looking at uh, a few different houses. And we, we found this one house that had 10 foot ceilings in the basement. And we're like, yes, we can yes. put a squat rack in here. Right. Right. And that was really the first skill of strength. And then we, we understood pretty darn quickly that we couldn't run a legitimate business out of the basement for too long. So right. we searched around and I looked at three, four properties and only one of them worked out. And it was at this mill building in, in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And that's where we started. And we initially started with, I think it was around 3,200 square feet ish. And then after a year and a half, two years, we needed more space. So we added an additional right around 2,500, 2,000 square feet, to be honest. I don't know the exact numbers. And then recently, last summer, we actually added another like 1,500, 1,600 square feet. So uh, here we are at uh, year eight, and um, we've shown growth every year, and we've got an amazing team around me. Um, you know, my wife, Amanda Perry, she, she really is the glue that holds the gym together. And I've got a great team of coaches around me. Um, actually Kevin didn't Drew, know that she worked with you. Yeah. That so, That's yeah. Awesome. so when, when we were expecting our first child, she was still working in corporate America and, um, she didn't really like her job. She was in business and marketing and she had a great mind for business, but she was doing marketing and business for like computer software and it wasn't, wasn't her thing. So we basically made a deal saying as soon as she could quit her job, she would, and we would run the gym together. And like I said, so we, we really oversee the gym together. And then, like I said, I do have a great team of coaches and I got to give them props. Kevin Driscoll, Bryson Friedlander, Javier Salinas, uh, Stephanie Bernier. We've got this great group of awesome coaches that awesome. I, honestly, I could not do it without them. So uh, I always want to give them the the respect and the shout out, if you will, because they are uh, they are really just an amazing crew, and they come in, they bust their butt, and they do a great job. So, um, you know what? You're only as good as your staff. So I want to uh, thank you for those I agree. guys. And to your credit, I mean, I know how difficult it is to, you know, to, to try to build a team and whatnot and, and have people that, you know, really believe in what you're doing. So that just that says a lot for you. I mean, to be in business for eight years, to have a, a gym for eight years and to have a solid team is that that's a lot of work that people don't 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 realize coming into it. It's honestly, I would say that the hardest part about running a business is trying to get the right people around you and then yes. trying to get everybody on the same page and right. speaking the same way, treating people the same way. Um, it's, 
it's tough because people have different personalities and you got to find a common ground where you can all believe and teach and train the same way. And all of us have our different flavors, right? We, we teach a little bit differently. We cue a little bit differently, but we're all really focusing on principle-based training. But, um, we're, we're, we're pretty darn lucky, man. We've got a, we've got a great group of people, uh, at the gym and, um, you know, we really focus on education, communication, and I try to do everything I can to, to help these young guys out and mentor them because I did have mentors, but I wish I would have had more one-on-one time with my mentors so I could ask questions and, uh, troubleshoot some things. So yeah, we've, we've got a good crew here. We're, we're pretty darn lucky. Awesome. Awesome. So you made a post, uh, it was probably a couple of weeks ago and it, it was really geared towards like the young strength coach, the the new trainer and giving them a, a bunch of tidbits. And I felt like this post, um, should be discussed about in, in detail, especially with your experiences of, you know, skill of strength and whatnot and, and building that team. Um, I'm not sure if you remember the the list that you had created with it. Yeah, I have, I have the list right in front of me and, uh, you know, when I post things on social media, it's interesting because I could post like a cool training video with my UFC guys and I'd get a, you know, a little bit of feedback and a few likes. But any time that I've posted advice about running a business or becoming a strength coach, those are the ones that seem to really resonate with a lot of people. So it's yes. funny because I'm not like a, I'm not a business coachy guy, right? Like I'm a, I'm a strength coach. Like I get in there and I study the science, but it just seems like anytime I post about my experience or what it's like to be a strength coach, I get a ton of feedback and a ton of messages and a ton of tasks, uh, texts, people asking a little bit more. So it seems to be that those things are absolutely resonating with people that are, that are paying attention to what, uh, I have to say. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's very helpful. And, you know, we do appreciate your content that you put out there for sure. I'm sure, you know, young coaches, especially, I mean, even, even seasoned veterans, you know, can definitely learn from you, um, which I found interesting since you talked about your, your background and kind of, you know, training like the elite of the elite to begin with, that's almost the opposite of the advice that you give for, for your number one was, which is train everyone. And I think that's kind of really cool. And, you know, it's a, a cool perspective to have when you already started working with the pros to begin with. And, and after that, you're like, Hey, you know, kind of train everybody, you know, uh, go more into detail on that. What you think about that? Yeah. So, you know, looking back at it, I was just in the right place at the right time. Like I said, not too many people have the opportunity to work with these high level athletes like year two, right? A lot of people get there maybe year 10. So I was very, very lucky to have the opportunity to work with these guys. But I also understood that, man, this is not normal. Like, this is not how most people start. So while I did get the opportunity to work with these elite athletes, um, I was working with everybody else. And, you know, one of the one of the tips that I that I give people is, yes, train everybody. And I and I'm still adamant about that because there is so much to learn from each individual. And now Absolutely. when I first started, when I first started, I did, man, like I wanted to like train elite athletes. And I, it was like, to me, it was like, this is the Mecca, right? If you can train NFL guys, or if you can train guys in the MLS or major league baseball, like that is the pinnacle, right? The pinnacle. Absolutely. But, but I'll be honest with you. It's, it was very similar to training regular people. And what I mean by that is I thought it was going to be this crazy in-depth program that was just, you know, programmed with a bunch of science and this and that. And I thought it was going to be this incredibly complex thing. But listen, man, these these athletes, 
they've they've got injuries. You need to make the right decisions so you don't hurt them. You need to uh, correct what you can within your skill set, and then you just need to train them in a safe and efficient way. And that is the same way I approach everybody that comes through the door. Right? We run an evaluation. We uh, we take those things off the table that will potentially injure them, or we take out those exercises that are contraindicated or exercises that we don't feel have a, a good return on investment. So right away, we take those things out. We correct what we can from a corrective, exor- uh, corrective exercise standpoint. Uh, sometimes that means going to refer them out to get some manual therapy, et cetera. And then we just develop a training system that is is appropriate for them, that is going to get them uh, you know, stronger, faster, more durable and more resilient. And then we just need to make sure that we keep them as healthy as possible. And listen, if you're a personal trainer or strength coach, that that's pretty much the recipe, right? And it works for everybody. So for me, that's what I try to do. And when I was training kids, kids need to be trained a certain way, right? I mean, kids, young kids, they don't need a ton of, a ton of coaching and cueing because a lot of the times with these young kids, you just put them in an environment and they'll figure it out. They actually need a little bit more organized play. Right. And then when you start to work with a little bit older athletes, you can start to get in more, uh, you know, internal external cueing, coaching, et cetera. But man, I remember training so many different people at my first job and, and some were stud athletes, some were fat loss clients, some were people that, you know, had had strokes in the past, knee injuries, low back injuries. Literally, I was working with everybody and anybody. And I'll be honest with you, there were some times I didn't want to train specific people because it wasn't as sexy as I wanted it to be or it wasn't a pro. But looking back, I'm like, man, I learned more from those people that I didn't want to train than I did training those guys in the NFL because it made me think. It made me really analyze what I'm doing. And you know, training a stud athlete that's coming in, that moves well, that's young, that's powerful, that that is athletic, that's easy, right? Like right. as long as you don't royally screw them up, you're good. But it's the challenging ones where you really, really learn. And um, that's that's really what I meant by training everybody because, yeah, we want to train the athletes. We want to train the pros, right? But, man, there's so much to learn from um, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, high school, elementary school, club team. I mean, there's so much to learn from each of those groups that you should really early in your career, don't be picky. Just if you have the opportunity to work with someone and to train someone and get paid for it, do it. Like that's not a bad scenario. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, do you get coaches, especially young ones that come to you and, you know, when you ask them, you know, what they're looking for in their career, they just automatically tell you, oh, I want to train pro athletes. Yeah, we do get that a lot. So a lot of the times because of the the UFC fighters that I currently work with, I mean, you know this, like working with pro fighters is awesome. I love the guys, but it's it's not as glamorous as you would think, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's not like it's not like we're all hanging with Conor McGregor and, you know, he's paying us three hundred thousand dollars a year or something like it's, it's cool. It's fun, but, um, it also presents its challenges, but people ask that, what do I have to do to get into training fighters? I get that a lot, but I actually get more questions when I'm teaching at like workshops and I'm presenting because a lot of people say, Hey, how do I get to do what you do? How do I get to teach? And how do I get to lecture? And how do I get to present like you? So actually that's where I get more of the, the questions because awesome. a lot of people think it's easy just to go up there and you know, talking no way. crowd and it's, yeah, it's not at it's all, especially, especially in front of strength coaches who 
have some, uh, you know, the craziest opinions and, you know, they uh, will definitely be nitpicky with, with people when they go present, you know, you know, the, the ego of some, co- some coaches for sure. Yeah. And, and I try to avoid that confrontational stuff as much as possible. And when I go out and I teach and I lecture, all I try to do is provide value for everybody that's in attendance. And, you know, if people want to argue about stuff, it's usually the last five or 10% of the training program, right? We'll agree on 90%, but man, we are going to disagree hard on that five to 10. And that's where people want to get into it. And I just don't even bother disagreeing. I'm just like, cool, you can do your thing. I'll do my thing. I'm not going to argue because this argument online, especially, or this banter online, it's not going to get any, it's not going to go anywhere. For sure. No, I agree. That's, that's great advice. Um, you, you know, you talked about mentors, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the podcast. Um, what are, what are some things if, if a young coach came up to you and says, Hey, like, you know, I'm looking for a mentor. Um, where should I, where should I start? Like what, what kind of advice would you give a young coach looking for a mentor and how to choose the correct mentor for them? Cause not, you know, everybody's not for everyone. So what would you tell that person? Well, um, you know, first of all, the, for a young coach wanting to get into this industry, I would say if you can early on get a, get a quality internship at a facility that has, you know, a really good um, reputation, I would do that. So up where I am, I mean, Mike Boyle's facility is 20 minutes from my gym. Eric Cressy's facility is his Massachusetts facility is 20, 25 minutes from my gym. Um, and there's a bunch of really good gyms in this area. And we're, we're in the process of trying to put some internship uh, programs together at our, our facility. But man, if you can get in with like someone like a Mike Boyle as an intern or an Eric Cressy or some of the other big gyms, I know you did Exos back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get in and do that, I would highly recommend it. And then also, as far as finding an actual mentor, just surround yourself with those people. And I would just be honest. I would just reach out and say, Hey, I'm a big fan of your work. And I would love to have the opportunity to learn from you. How, how can I do that now as, as people that have been in the industry for a while, and I understand that we, we have a, a certain amount of bandwidth, but you know, when people reach out to me and they're asking things, I try to do everything I can to, to help them out and guide them. But, um, I, I think you have to first just look around and see, see what other people are doing and see if there's anything specific about those individuals that, uh, in which you're drawn to them. Right. I mean, obviously everyone wants to hang out with a guy that's got half a million followers. Right. But maybe there's someone locally that's doing some great stuff that is willing to spend some time with you. And, and that's what I would do is just reach out and be honest and, and make yourself available and try to go into these scenarios, not expecting anything in return, but just go in there and offer to help offer to donate your time and offer to just be available, make yourself available and, and be likable and be friendly. And I honestly do think that good things will happen. Oh, I, I agree. A hundred percent. When you say, you know, the, the bandwidth for the coach, what are some, so what are some tidbits that you can give that person, that young coach on being able to add value to that coach for that, um, for them to have more experiences with that coach and learn from that coach? What are some things that they can do to, to add that value? So you mean, so say if there's a young individual and they're reaching out to a seasoned coach, what could they do to, to, to add value to that coach for that coach to obviously, you know, kind of bring them under their wing? Well, I mean, honestly, I think that when you look at people that have been in the industry for a while, or maybe they're gym owners, um, a lot of the times those people are just incredibly busy, right? Right. So I think that any way you could, 
you could offer some assistance, maybe helping them with something. It could be, it could be anything. It could be, um, giving them a hand, picking up at the gym or, or, you know, maybe you have a skill set in video editing, or maybe you're good at audio production, or maybe you have these other skill sets that could help them out. And it can be somewhat reciprocal because I do feel that the best relationships are reciprocal. So I always tell people, what is something you like to do or what is your skill set? What do you have that could potentially provide value to the person yes. that you want to work with? So you always exactly. have to make it reciprocal, in my opinion. Awesome. No, that's exactly what I want people to hear. Exactly. Uh, no, I appreciate that for sure. Um, I mean, the next thing that you even listed, uh, you know, family and friendships before fitness. And now I even have more of a respect for you as a as a man, as a husband, that you work with your uh, your spouse um, in this business, because it's already a tough business to begin with. And I can only imagine what it's like and, you know, if it changes the relationship or, or whatnot. So, I mean, tell tell everyone kind of, I mean, obviously family is super important for you. Um, but how do you pr prioritize and balance all of that? Well, well, first of all, I'm very lucky in the sense that in our business, so my job at the gym is really, I'm at the gym um, pretty much every day and I oversee the the general quality of what we do. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm training people, but I'm always watching what's going on and I'm making sure that our coaches, when they're on the floor, um, they're they're doing things correctly, right? So for example, if someone's doing a push-up, I always tell these guys, someone's doing a push-up, I don't care if it's a push-up on the floor, I don't care if it's a push-up on a bench, if it's a push-up on an incline on a, on a squat rack, just make sure that that individual is executing quality technique for that day. Now, day-to-day -day, things are going to change, but I don't care if you're doing you know, a very, very easy push-up on a rack. It should look good, and it should be appropriate for that individual where they are currently at. So... I'm really kind of that guy that goes around and talks about technique, talks about progressions, regressions, coaching and cueing. Um, and we also spend a lot of time uh, on continuing education as well, where we just we chat about, you know, how to screen, how to communicate, how to evaluate. And then we go into various other topics like it could be presentation skills, speaking skills. It could be barbell, kettlebell, you name it. So I really do the, the true training stuff. Um, but my wife, she really handles the accounting, the business aspect of things and the social media, uh, stuff like that. So it's great because we really have different skill sets, but every business, every brick and mortar business, you need both. And luckily her skill set and my skill set are, are different enough that it works. And we really don't step on each other's feet too much. And we really don't get into it as far as business goes, because we have such different roles within the business that it works really well. So um, we are very, very lucky there, but it's also hard to turn off, right? Right. It's you know when we're taking a ride as a family or doing something, you know it's it, we talk about business a lot. Once the kids are in bed, we talk about business a lot. And listen, we try our best to turn it off, but that's just the nature of owning a business together. But right. one of the things I'm trying to do now is when it's time to work on the business, try to be all in. Try to be a hundred percent focused on the business. And then when it's time to be a dad, when it's time to be a husband, when it's time to be a friend, I try to I try to be 100 there. Now, am I perfect at it? No, heck no. I'm still working on it. But what I'm trying to do is is trying to avoid that one foot in, one foot out scenario where I'm half paying attention to the business at a certain point, or I'm half paying attention to my family or my kids. And it's still a learning process, but I'm really trying to pay as much attention to each one when it's time. And that has been something 
that uh, I've been trying to constantly work on because, I mean, you know this, you can always do more. You can work 12 hours and then say, what else can I do? Right? There's always going to be always something. Too. And that that is the trap. That is the danger of running your own business is I could always do more. I could always do more. And you can easily go and get to the point where all you do is work and then you avoid those other things. And this reminds me of a conversation of a, of a good friend of mine and a, uh, a well-respected coach in the industry, Brett Jones who has been a mentor to me. And I remember early on saying to him, Hey bud, like I want to, I want to coach more. Like I want to get out there and lecture more and present more. And I'll never forget this. He goes, what are you willing to miss? What are you willing to miss? Are you willing to miss your kids games? Are you willing to miss time away from your family? And I was like, Bro, why are you gonna why are you gonna be like that? That's not the answer I'm looking for. I gotta say for. that. Like, why are you gotta say that? Why are you gonna say that? Like I was expecting like a do this, and he was like, "What are you willing to miss?" And I was like, "Holy cow!" So when people come up to me and they ask me about stuff, I always explain to them, "Hey, it's listen, it's a give and take, right? If you spend certain a certain amount of your time, your finances, and energy in one direction, by default, you're neglecting other things. So." As long as you understand the reality of what you're trying to do, then go ahead and do it, right? So that's that's something that has always stuck with me, and I always think about that. Like, what am I willing to miss? And don't get me wrong. I love to travel. I love to teach. But, man, my kids need me. You know, I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, and, and I don't want to miss much. So there's always a trade-off. Awesome. Man. Family man, and I definitely respect you, Coach. I mean, to be able to do that. I, I mean, I've been in, you know, had a been a gym owner for five years, and you know, to see what you do on a daily basis with your family, I think is just absolutely incredible. And I think a lot of people should should be following that. You know, it's uh, listen, man. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some days I feel like I'm sort of getting it, but most of the time I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. But um, I'm just trying to trying to just get a little bit better with all of that each day. And, and, and that's a struggle for me. I mean, I'm trying to now trying to find that balance of my professional life and my personal life. And, um, it's a constant battle and anybody that's demonstrated a little bit of success in the industry, if they say that it's not a battle, they're probably lying to you. So, right. um, absolutely. Listen, man, I don't know it all. I do not know it all. And I have a lot to learn, but at least if I can share that information with people, the true information and, and really what it's like day in and day out to run a gym and, and do what we do. I just, I can't stand when people give false information about what it's like to own a gym or what it's like to go out and teach. I mean, it's work, man. And trust me, there are beautiful things about it, but at the same time, there are some times where, you know, you get done from a, a three day weekend and you're, you're away from your family and you're just, you're just drained. So it's a constant, it's a constant battle, but you know, at the same time, I love what I do, and I'm still learning how to, to navigate that. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, of work and constantly battling, do you see a shift kind of in the mindset of maybe how you, when you first got in the industry compared to how young coaches are coming into our industry? Do you, do you see a difference in mentality and mindset? Yeah, so I was brought up in a family where my dad always had two jobs. My mom worked a lot, and um, if you if you wanted to provide for your family, you just worked like you just busted your butt. And I think I got my work ethic from, from my dad. And he was the type of guy that was just always working, doing, doing whatever he could. And 
he, I remember him saying to me, listen, if you have an opportunity to provide for your family or make extra money, like don't, don't pass that up. And, and for me, it was always like, I could always do more. I could always do more. And, you know, I think when I started, if you were good and you were successful, it's really because you earned it, right? Because you, there was no smoke and mirrors. There wasn't Instagram. There wasn't uh, social media. You couldn't put out a front. People didn't get likes because they were good looking. I mean, back when I started, if you had a, a book of business, it's because you were doing something right. This day and age, you can, you can <laughs> put out videos and you can put out content and make it seem like you're the most successful person in America. But maybe, you know, the last time you went to buy coffee, your credit card didn't work. Right. So right. I would say the difference is, is don't be afraid to just get out there and bust your butt and work really, really hard and get in the trenches. Um, you know, it's, it takes time. And if you want to be a successful coach, you have to work really, really hard. And then eventually as you start to become more successful and you can find a little bit more balance, then you can start to, uh, you know, change your approach. But, um, man, just get out there and grind it out. If you're a young coach and maybe you're working for someone, honestly, do whatever you can to one, help yourself, but do whatever you can to help the owners of your business as long as they're not like jerks to you. Right. But, right. um, anytime you can use your skill sets to help the place that you're working, it's going to create opportunity. I mean, as a business owner, nothing, nothing makes me more happy than one of my guys says, Hey, listen, you know, I'd like to get a little bit busier. Or I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. What do you think? I mean, when people step up like that and bring things to the table, that's awesome. That's what right. really, really makes me happy. When so they take accountability for their, their growth. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and honestly, and, and this is what I tell everyone, listen, you are directly responsible for your success. So if you fail, own it. All right. If you work hard and you do well, cool. You deserve it, right? So um, it, I think too many people make too many excuses. I work here and I do this and I have a bad facility and I have a bad boss. And listen, instead of trying to pass the buck and, and talk about all the things that are going wrong, get out there and just be proactive and get it done. You'd be amazed at what can happen when you can just put your head down and grind it out. Coach, man, I appreciate your time so much. Um, if these uh, subscribers and listeners want to reach out to you for more, where should they reach you at? Um, honestly, if you even want to shoot me an email, I, I totally don't mind. Um, it's Mike at skillofstrength.com. That's my email. Um, but also from a social media standpoint, coach Mike Perry on Instagram, check that out. Also our gym skill of strength puts out a ton of content as well. And a lot of the content that is on the skill of strength website, the skill of strength, Instagram, and even on Facebook, um, is, is stuff that we all kind of do together. So those are the best ways to reach out. And, um, you know, if I can help in any way, I will, um, you know, just reach out and uh, I'll give you the time that I have and, and try to give you some basic advice. Awesome coach. And for the listeners, coach Mike Perry adds so much value to our profession. He's definitely one to follow and appreciate. He's real and authentic. And I think a lot of us can appreciate that. Thanks for your time, coach. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jared. Have a good day, bud. Hey, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it and subscribe to the podcast. We will continue to share the stories of coaches and trainers around the world, as well as other entrepreneurs that our industry can learn from to make ours better. Thank you so much for the support. See you next time.